cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the cloud will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Earlier this week, I was reading in the Straits Times, uh, the Minister for Trade and Industry, Mr. Chan Chun Singh, and he made a very stark statement this week. He said that Singapore would not return to a pre-COVID-19 world. Now, Mr. Chan said that we can't wait for COVID-19 to blow over, but rather we must chart a new direction now for a very different and uncertain future. Now, friends, as we have gone through the last few months, the world does feel like a much more uncertain place, hasn't it? And it's difficult to live with all of this uncertainty. A lot of the things that we took for granted before, we can no longer take for granted. And the truth is, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult to live with uncertainty. It's difficult to live with not knowing what the outcome will be. It's difficult not being able to make plans, not just for the next year, but for the next months. Yet, friends, as we've worked our way through the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the things we've discovered as we've studied it together is that uncertainty, or rather living with uncertainty, is a tale as old as time. We've read in Ecclesiastes 5 how people invested and lost huge fortunes in unwise ventures. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, we saw that Kohelet, the preacher, the author of Ecclesiastes, tells us that we cannot know whether we will encounter love or hate, good or bad, in life. And the surprising thing, friends, as we work our way through the book of Ecclesiastes, is not that we just need to cope with uncertainty. Kohelet, the preacher, the author of Ecclesiastes, urges us and shows us that it's precisely these uncertainties that urge us to live a wise and well-lived life. And no portion of the book of Ecclesiastes is clearer about this than these next six verses that we are about to look at together today. Even though times are uncertain, Kohelet is saying, you don't need to be paralyzed. In fact, it's precisely because of these uncertainties that you are urged to live wisely, you are urged to live fully, you are urged to give your all. So friends, yes, we are living in uncertainty, but the Bible tells us that in the midst of this uncertainty, you can act and you can live well, you can glorify God with all that you do. There are three things in this text that I want to bring out for us today to help us to see how we can live fully with uncertainty. Firstly, know what you don't know. Secondly, do what you must do. And thirdly, trust what you can trust. Know what you don't know, do what you must do, and trust what you can trust. 
Notice in these six verses, out of the six verses, Kohelet says four times, you do not know. You do not know. Look at verse 2. Kohelet says, you do not know what disaster may happen. Look at verse 6. You do not know which will prosper this or that. Meaning, Kohelet is saying, you do not know and you cannot know the precise details of the future. You may meet with disaster or you may meet with prosperity. You simply do not know. And then come with me to verse 5. He says this, You do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. And so, you do not know the work of God. Friends, even with the advancements in science and technology that we have, the truth is, and I checked this out with Cindy, who's a pediatrician, we still do not precisely know how a baby forms in a mother's womb. Old Testament scholar David Gibson points out that even with ultrasound technology, we still don't know how cells divide at just the right time in just the right way so that this part becomes a toe and this part becomes an ear. And friends, the truth is, even if we could figure out all the biology and all the chemistry of conception and the growth of a baby in the womb, we do not know, as the text tells us, the spirituality of the baby. How does the spirit enter the, the bones and the, the baby in the mother's womb? In other words, there is a mystery to how God is exactly working in conception. And what Kohelet says is, if we don't understand even this basic thing of conception and the growth of a baby in the mother's womb, then we cannot fully understand all the ways that God is working in the world. There is a certain mystery of how God is working in the world and yet must live life. Now, a quick aside, Kohelet is not saying that we cannot know anything about the future or that we cannot know anything about how things work in the world. He's not saying that we shouldn't give ourselves to education. If we look at the end of chapter 12, that's precisely what he's done. In verse 9, he says he's given himself to knowledge, to weighing and studying, and arranging with care. So he's not dissing education. He's not saying we shouldn't study. He's not saying that we should not do strategic planning, or forecasting, or polling. He's not saying that we shouldn't pursue fields of study like physics or chemistry or biology or psychology or philosophy or theology. By all means, give yourself to these things. But what he is saying is that there is a limit to what all of these things can give you. Study hard. Understand the times. Understand the future as best you can. But know that none of these things can give you the certainty that you crave. You cannot know the future. You do not know the future. You do not even understand the intricacies of all that God is doing in this world. And you know what Kohelet is saying? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay not to know the precise details of how everything works. And it's okay 
not to know the precise details of how your life will unfold in the future. Know what you don't know. And in a sense, friends, this is very freeing. Because a lot of us spend so much of our times trying to figure out the future or trying to figure out how things work in the present. Give yourself to those things, Kohelet is saying, but don't be obsessed with them. Because if you're obsessed with trying to figure out how things work, you're obsessed with trying to forecast the future, you will be up for disappointment. You will waste your time, you will waste your energy, and you will not live fully in the present. So Kohelet is saying there are many things in this world that you simply do not know and you cannot know. It is in the hands of God. Do not spend all of your time trying to figure out how things work and what the future will hold. Live your life in the present. Secondly, he says you must do what you must do. Even with all of this uncertainty, there are some things that you must do precisely because things are uncertain. You do not need to figure out everything in order for you to take action that is good and wise in this world. Look with me at verse 1. Kohelet says, Cast your bread upon the waters. You will find it after many days. And let me just say up front that this verse here is notoriously difficult to interpret. There are different interpretations. And you may be wondering to yourself, why is Kohelet saying, go to NTUC, buy gardenia bread, and throw it into the sea? Now, what in the world is he saying here? What is this business of taking bread and casting it into the sea? And you will find it after many days? Do you really want to find a soggy piece of moldy bread after many days, after you've thrown it into the sea? Now, quick aside, uh, Middle Eastern bread is flat, so the image is much more like throwing a roti prata into the ocean rather than a loaf of gardenia bread. But still, what in the world is he saying? Why is he saying, take bread and cast it into the ocean? But broadly speaking, there are two ways of considering this passage. Some think that Kohelet is referring to take bread and cast it. Give bread. Give to the poor. Be generous. These are uncertain times. Be generous. Now that's a possible interpretation. But what's this business with the waters? And what's this business about finding it after many days? Aren't we supposed to give without expecting anything in return? That doesn't actually sound very charitable. Now others think that he's talking about investing. And I think that sits better with the overall context. If you look at verse 4 and 6, he talks about sowing and reaping as an analogy for what we invest in. So the waters here very likely refer to the seas. They refer to maritime and seafaring trade. It's a risky business, but it's a richly rewarding trade. Israel, at that point in history, were engaged in maritime trade. It was very risky but there were very many great returns. So if we take that interpretation, Kohelet is telling us to invest even in times of uncertainty and you will find it, you will make a turn. But friends, take a step back. Is Kohelet really giving us investment advice? 
the Bible really simply talking about our portfolio? I think there's more here. There's more here. And to better understand what verse 1 is talking about, we need to understand it in the context of verse 2. So come with me to verse 2. He says here, Give a portion to seven or even to eight. Now you see the word cast in verse 1. Cast your bread upon the ocean. That is literally send out. Send out your bread upon the ocean. It's another way of saying give. So I think verse 1 and 2 are talking about the same things. Cast out or give. Now what's this business of giving a portion to 7 or to 8? Now again, different interpretations. One interpretation says that Kohelet is telling you to diversify your financial instruments. Don't just invest in seven. Invest in eight. Spread out the risk. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. So he's saying invest, but diversify your investments. Now that's one possible interpretation. But it seems to me that that goes against the flow of the passage. If you look at the passage, Kohelet says, cast, give, sow, take action. It seems to go against what that is saying. I think another better interpretation is to consider that Kohelet here is using a literary tool called numerical heightening. Now, this appears in, 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 in wisdom literature. So, for example, in Proverbs 30, verse 18, the writer of the Proverbs says this, Three things are too wonderful for me, four I do not understand. He's using numerical heightening. Three things I don't understand are too wonderful for me, four I do not understand. And what's his point there? He's using these numbers to heighten the sense of awe and not being able to understand all that God is doing. Or come with me to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 21. In Proverbs 30, verse 21, the writer of the Proverbs says this, Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. What's he doing? He's using these numbers to heighten the sense of trembling. Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. So come back with me now to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. He's using the same tool. He's heightening the sense of needing to give and to send out. And more than that, friends, seven in the Bible is the number of completion. And so he's saying give completely, but then go from seven to eight. Give completely and then give a little more. So taken together, verse 1 and 2 tells us so much more than a, some, about charity or investments. It tells us to give generously in times of uncertainty. And friends, he's not just talking about money. Why do I know that? Because friends, chapter 11 and 12 are the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes. And in the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes, he's making some, not suggestions, some, he's, he's urging us to live well. He'll conclude in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, fear God and keep his commandments. He's not just talking about one aspect of your life. 
He's not just talking about your money, although that's involved. He's talking about all of your life. He's not just talking about economics or charity. He's talking about everything in your life. So what Kohelet is saying is this. Times are uncertain. You cannot know the future. And that is precisely why you must give your time, you must give your talent, and you must give your treasure to what truly matters. Cast your bread upon the waters. Give to the seventh and to the eighth. Give completely and some more. And he promises us in verse 1, you will find it after many days. There is a reward to be reaped for giving ourselves our time, our talent and treasure to what truly matters in these days of uncertainty. And then he says in verse 3, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Now what's he talking about here? Now see, if you see clouds and they get dark and full, you know that the rain is coming. And if a tree falls, whether to the south or to the north, if it falls and it hits the ground, it lies there. It doesn't move unless someone moves it. So in other words, Kohelet is saying there's a certain predictability in nature. You can observe the laws of nature and you can see there's a certain pattern and predictability. But yet he says in verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. That's strange. There's a predictability in the weather patterns, but yet he's saying, if you just simply observe the weather patterns, you won't sow and you won't reap. You see, friends, farmers, they want good weather to sow and to reap. But Kohelet is saying that even with the predictability of nature, if you wait for the perfect conditions, you will not sow and you will not reap. So he's saying give and give generously of your life in these uncertain times. But he's saying more than that. He's saying don't wait for the perfect conditions before you sow and before you reap because they do not exist. Rather look at verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed. And at the evening, withhold not your hand. Sow, give, invest, withhold not your hand. Yes, the times are uncertain. Yes, the conditions are imperfect. But do it anyway. Do not wait for perfect conditions before you act. Friends, some of you have been listening in online. You've been talking to us for a long time and you're not a Christian. You've heard the gospel many times. You sense in your heart that it's true, that God is holy, that you are a sinner as the Bible tells you you are, that Jesus did indeed die for your sins. And if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. And yet you're holding back. You're not ready to give your life to Jesus. You're waiting for the perfect conditions. You tell me, my time is not here yet. 
The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Friends, you do not need to understand everything. You do not need to wait for the perfect conditions to give your life to Jesus. Kohelet will tell you, give your life to Jesus, sow and reap today. Do not wait for the perfect conditions. Give your life to Jesus today. Or perhaps some of you have been coming to our church for some time. You've gotten to know us. You understand what we believe. You like what you see to an extent. Sometimes the sermons can be a bit boring. But you generally think this is a good place. And you've not been baptized. Or you've not become a member of the church. And you tell me the same thing. My time is not here yet. Friends, Kohelet would say to you that the perfect conditions do not exist. If you wait and you observe the times and you're waiting for everything perfect to happen, you will never sow. And as a result, you will never reap the reward. The day of decision is today. The day of action is now. Times are uncertain. But God's command remains. So friends, if you're still waiting for the perfect conditions to come together, let me say, they do not exist. We need to function in this realm of the imperfect. And we obey God by being baptized and becoming a member. There are no perfect conditions. So if you love Jesus like you say you do, then you need to love his bride, who is the church. You need to give yourself to Jesus and to the bride of Christ, who is his church. Sow and reap. Sow and reap. Or perhaps, friends, you're waiting for the perfect conditions to share the gospel with someone. You need it all right. You know, the lighting needs to be right, the music, you know, all of that needs to be perfect before you'll share the gospel. Or friends, you're waiting for the perfect conditions before you get involved in a gospel venture or a project that you know will bring God glory. But you know, it's like all these different things that are happening in my life. I'm not really ready yet. I'm waiting for the perfect conditions. I'm waiting for all my ducks to line up in a row. Friends, the Bible says there are no perfect conditions. Do not wait for perfect conditions before you take action. Do it now. So, and reap. Friends, there's of course a place for prudence. We must be prudent. The Bible calls us to prudence. But, but the Bible also says that we should not allow our prudence to be an excuse for cowardice. The Bible is calling us to be courageous men, women, in this time of uncertainty, who will take God at his word and take action because we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Step out, sow, and reap. By all means, analyze, but don't be paralyzed. Winston Churchill once said this, the maxim, nothing avails but perfection, may be spelled shorter paralysis. The maxim, nothing avails but perfection may be spelled shorter. Paralysis. If you're waiting for the perfect, you won't take action and you'll be paralyzed. You'll be paralyzed by your analyzing. Winston Churchill also said this, 
It is a mistake to look too far ahead. Only one link of the chain of destiny can be handled at a time. And that's great wisdom. There's great uncertainty in this world. You cannot know things perfectly, but that should not prevent you from taking action in the here and in the now. Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner puts it this way, if there is risk in everything, it is better to fail in launching out than in hugging one's resources to oneself. If there is risk in everything, it is better to fail in launching out than in hugging one's resources to oneself. Now, many of you know we are moving to Treehouse, and the process of getting there was an amazing story. And I want to tell it to some of you because you're new, uh, and some of us who are older need to hear that story again to see how God has been active and present among us. Uh, sometime early this year, uh, we recognized that the lease on this place was running out in August. Uh, before COVID-19, we were kind of hitting the maximum. We were squeezing in about 70 people here and without safe distancing measures. So we needed to look for another place. Uh, you heard again, uh, I mean an operations guy, he did a survey. And what we found was most of the places that we thought we could use were way beyond our budget. There was a place, Treehouse at Funan, that we liked. That was good, that was perfect. The location, the size, but there was already another church there, and they were way beyond our budget. So what we did was we, I took this to the board and I said, hey, this is the situation that we're in. What do we do? Uh, after some deliberation, the board decided that we will be prudent, but we will also stretch our faith. We will be prudent in terms of what we can afford. Let's think of a mount that will stretch us, but will not bankrupt us. Something that stretches our faith. I looked at the amount and I'm like, this is still way below what Treehouse, the market value of Treehouse. So we took that and we said, let's just offer it to Treehouse. Let's just take a risk. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And that's exactly what we did. We offered this amount to Treehouse, almost expecting that they would say, no, ha ha ha. But instead, they replied to say that we think God is in this. We think this is the right timing because the other church has just told us that they are clearing out in the month of August. And because of COVID-19, all the pricing structures have changed. And so whatever you offer is what we will accept. Now, friends, if I had held back, if we had held back and not taken that risk, prudent, yes, we were, but yet we wanted to stretch our faith because we believe in a great and awesome God, we would have not been able to move the treehouse. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. If risk is everywhere, it is better that you launch out than you hug your resources to yourself. Friends, can I ask you, what resources has God placed in your hands? Has he given you time? Has he given you talent? Has he given you treasure? They may not be much, or they may be very much, the question is, are you hugging and hoarding or are you giving it away generously to gain an eternal reward? Kohelet is urging us in the midst of uncertainty not to hold back, not to be paralyzed by, by uncertainty, but to take steps of faith and obedience. 
Now, as you hear this, some of you are saying, Z, I, I hear what you're saying. And I want to do it. But the truth is, if I think carefully, I'm afraid. I'm so afraid. I need to feel safe. And this is too risky. It makes me feel that I'm out of control and I just cannot. Well, come with me to verse 5. Come with me to verse 5. Kohelet says, You do not know the work of God who makes everything. Do you see what he's saying here, friends? You do not know the work of God who makes everything. Yes, you do not know everything that God is doing and all the details of how he is working in the world. But verse 5 says, there are things about God that you do know and that you can trust. God is the one who makes everything and God is the one who is at work in the world. So although you do not know the details of all that he's doing in the world, you know that he made everything and you know that he's at work everything, in everything. In other words, he's the one who made the world and he's the one that sustains the world. And if he's the one who made the world, he's the one who made you. He's your creator. He's the one who sustains you. He's the one who keeps you. And that, my friends, is where you anchor your confidence and your trust in. Friends, every scheme and every plan that you've made for yourself to keep yourself safe, to keep yourself secure, to keep yourself comfortable. What COVID-19 has shown us is that none of those plans are really rock solid. They can fall away just like that. But there is a firm foundation that will surely keep you secure, that will surely keep you safe. And that firm foundation is God himself the God who is completely and absolutely sovereign. Friends, you and I can take risk because God never takes risk. You and I can be out of control because God is always in full control. Anchor your heart in the reality of God's sovereignty. Anchor your heart in the reality that God is your creator and that God is your sustainer. But friends, even as we draw to a close, there's more. Because this side of the cross of Jesus Christ, we see with crystal clear clarity that the God who made us and the God who sustains us is also the God who loves us with a certain, sure, unchanging, sturdy, sacrificial, and saving love. You see, friends, when you were fearful, and you were unfaithful. God the Father sent out the bread of life, Jesus himself, upon the waters of judgment. He gave generously and completely, not to the seven and to the eight, but to the ultimate. He sent Jesus to his death. Why? So that he would find you and me after many days and bring us home. Friends, the reason why we can risk is because God never takes any risks. The reason why we can venture out in faith is because God loves us with an everlasting love 
And he has been generous with us. He has given up his son for us. And when we see that, and when we know that in our hearts, we will have a safety, we will have a security, we will have a certainty that we long for and we crave because it is no longer anchored in the whims and the fancies of the world. It is anchored in the eternal God who is creator, sustainer, and redeemer. And as you fall into his eternal arms because of the sacrifice of his son and by the power of his spirit, you enjoy a deep and abiding certainty even in the midst of uncertainty. And that, my friends, is what enables you to thrive, to flourish, to take risk, to step out, to give generously with no fear, leaving the outcome to God. Let's pray.